We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot, cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And um, let's ask for God's help as we look at this word. Paul says in this passage, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And so we praise you, our Father, for your Spirit's work in giving us words from him that give us spiritual truths. And we pray, Father, in the midst of um, physical challenges like uh, the heat and uh, trying to concentrate that you would meet with us by your Spirit in your word. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, cities often have um, nicknames that give us an indication of what the people are like. So New York, the city that never sleeps, uh, tells us about the people's energy and uh, their enthusiasm. Or Paris, the city of love, great, uh, tells us of Parisians' romance. Uh, I won't ask us what Basingstoke is. Um, but for Corinth, the, the city that is spoken about in this letter, you might call it the city of wisdom or the city of pride. Because wisdom, this city, is the people's passion. Instead of stand-up comedians and pop stars, they had people who came professionally and spoke wisdom. And so Saturday Night TV in Corinth was not Strictly Come Dancing, but Strictly Come Speaking, as you would be enamored by these people who spoke wisdom. And in the last couple of weeks, we've seen that that has created a huge problem for this church. We saw two weeks ago 
of the division in the church. And the reason they were dividing is because they were treating the church leaders like these wise professionals of the first century. I follow Paul. He's brilliant at writing. His logic is so wise. I follow Apollos. He really moves me with the words he uses. And last week, we saw Paul tackle that subject head-on, wisdom. And you might expect him today, as he speaks more about wisdom, for him to say, stop it. Don't chase wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is for the city. It's not for you. You might expect him to say, especially after he spoke last week about the gospel being foolish, to say it's a good thing to not be wise, to stay foolish. But in our passage today, we see that Paul is anything but anti-wisdom. He wants the church to be wise. In fact, in chapter 3, which we're going to come to next week, he criticizes the church because of their immaturity, because they're not being wise. But in this section, he shows us about wisdom, what true wisdom is, and where true wisdom comes from. And I hope this is going to really help us as a church. It certainly helped me as I looked at this, because it shows us that if we're to continue to grow, and we're to avoid all the divisions we see in Corinth, well, this is how. A lot of us, I guess, will want to grow in our Christian life. We want to know God better. We want to know ourselves better. And Paul shows us in this section how that comes about as he presents to us what true wisdom is and where true wisdom is to be found. What true wisdom is then? Well, in this first section, uh, running up to verse 9, Paul presents to us two types of wisdom, human wisdom and God's wisdom. And he draws a thick dividing line between those two types of wisdom. So look at what he says about human wisdom in verse 6. He says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. See, he knows there are rulers of this age. They're traveling through the city of Corinth. They're speaking about life, purpose. They're the sort of people you see on Twitter or the TikTok who, um, yes, I can do contemporary references, Uh, who give you kind of seven ways to improve your life, four ways to be happy, one secret of longevity, that sort of thing. And people, just like they do today, lap it up. They follow them. They like their posts. They subscribe to their videos. They buy their books. And look what Paul says about them, verse 6. They're of this age. They're coming to nothing. It may sound very wise, and certainly people today sound very wise, but he says it's of this age. It's got an expiry date. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking to myself, it's not that it's wrong, but it's just so minimal. It, it, it just doesn't serve a very deep purpose. I, I was thinking to myself about uh, when I used to use stabilizers uh, on my bike. Now, there's nothing wrong with stabilizers. Uh, they provided a useful... Yes, I was short once, and yes... <laughs> Uh, managed to fit on a child's bike with stabilizers. Uh, but they provided a helpful purpose. They, um, they meant that I didn't fall and you know, uh, graze my knees. 
But the problem with stabilizers is that they don't get you used to riding a bike. They've got a very limited purpose. And in some ways, they're actually unhelpful because they lure you into a, a false sense of security. And if I were to take those stabilizers and put them on my uh, new kind of um, uh, massive kind of road bike, uh, well, actually, they'd be pretty dangerous. Not only would I look stupid, but I would almost certainly come off. And Paul says it's, it's like stabilizers. See, this sort of wisdom, it, it was for, for this age. And if you chase after that wisdom, well, just like the stabilizers today, you're going to come into all sorts of problems. But Paul says there is another wisdom. It says in verse 7, No, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory before time began. This is a different type of wisdom. This is God's wisdom. And put it next to the limited, time-bound wisdom of this age. Well, Paul says there's no comparison. Imagine, I know um, he's uh, no longer with us, but imagine you had the chance to meet Stephen Hawking. Imagine, for example, you were really into the kind of astrophysics and uh, the universe, and you had a chance to meet him. Well, I guess you would have all sorts of questions about black holes and his theory on how the universe began. And it'd be, I'm sure, pretty entertaining afternoon. But imagine you were given the chance to ask God himself, the one who created the universe, the one who invented black holes, the one who knows it intimately. Well, it's no disrespect to Stephen Hawking, but you'd say you'd rather go and ask the person who created the universe. It just seems so lightweight, doesn't it, compared to having God's wisdom. And Paul says that is what we have. You may want to chase the wisdom of this age, but actually we've got God's wisdom. We hear from his mouth. But actually, before we get too ahead of ourselves, there is one big, small uh, Robert, big problem. Uh, Look at what he says about this wisdom in verse 7. He says, we speak God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden. Or verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Or verse 9, he writes about this wisdom, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. See, there's a problem with God's wisdom, not in itself, but in our ability to understand it. See, he says no ear has heard, no eye has seen, no mind has understood it. See, naturally on our own, we cannot access God's wisdom. Now, I know this is quite hard for us to get our heads around because we're so used to working things out. I don't know if you're one of those characters who doesn't like to not know something. All you've got to do is, um, forgive me if you're at home and you've got one of these devices, you just ask Alexa and um, she gives you the answer to most things. If not, you do the old-fashioned route of looking it up on Google. Uh, But um, if we don't understand something, we can quickly get access to it, can't we? And I guess if we want to understand a subject deeply, well, we're used to taking a course or a degree and studying and learning. But Paul says, look, no matter how advanced your smart speaker is, or how brilliant the AI system is, actually, here's a wisdom you can't get access to. 
This is God's wisdom. Uh, I've been reading through the book of Job recently, um, just finished it this morning, and um, I hadn't really noticed before, but there's a wonderful interlude uh, in chapter 28 of the book of Job, and it speaks about where true wisdom is found. And uh, it speaks about our amazing ability as human beings to find things in all sorts of places out of the earth. It talks about our ability to mine copper and iron. Now, this is the ancient world. I don't know how to mine copper and iron. It's pretty cool, isn't it, when you think, actually, you can take rocks and turn them into metal. Maybe someone could explain to me later how we do that. But, but we dig, don't we, thousands of meters under the surface to find precious, precious jewels and things like that. We can fly to the moon. We can recover space uh, rocks. All sorts of things we can find in this world. All sorts of discoveries we can make. But here's what he goes on to say about God's wisdom. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? No mortal comprehends its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. He goes on to say, God's wisdom is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds in the sky. True wisdom is not something you can work out with your brain. It's not something a high IQ grants you. From the wisest professor to the most uneducated child, well, it is hidden from us. And we can go around chasing the latest guru or the, the most impressive speaker, but there, Paul says, are as much in the dark as you are. And you might ask yourself, well, what hope is there? How can we understand anything when it's so hidden from us? Well, Paul goes on to show us where true wisdom is found. See, this passage, it, um, it hinges on verse 10. Have a look at verse 10 with me. Uh, because up to verse 10, he's shown us how we can't understand God's wisdom. And then in verse 10, he shows us how we can he writes, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Did you miss that? God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Notice what he says about things. He says it's revealed, so it's not discovered, it's revealed to us. Um, we all know what that's like. We get a reminder every Christmas uh, under the tree, you get the presents, don't you? And you prod and you probe and you smell. But it's only when you take the wrapper off, only when it's revealed to you, you know what it was. Links Africa, probably. <laughs> and he says that God's revelations like that. It, you can guess, but it's revealed to you. But notice how it's revealed. And this is where he really um, goes with this thought. It's not by our expertise, is it? It's not by us working it out. It is revealed, he says, by his spirit. See, he goes on to show in this section that there's only one way to know God's mind, and that is by his spirit. Now, this is a bit of a confusing section, I must admit, and maybe as it was read, you're thinking, what, what is going on here? But, but actually, it's not too scary. When you understand that he uses the word spirit to mean the inner person, 
Uh, The word spirit, he's describing the kind of inner life. Because you and me, we have two types of um, ways of describing ourselves. There's the physical, the outside, and then, of course, there's much more going on on the inside, the inner person. Uh, Maybe there's not, but uh, for most people there is uh, much more going on the inside. Um, So I can take a physical person, let's take John, he's made eye contact with me, sorry John, but I I can look at him and um, from the appearance I can guess his age, Uh, I can um, guess uh, what job he does, he's wearing shorts and t-shirt today so perhaps not too helpful, but if he was wearing a lab coat or something like that maybe I'll guess what job he's doing and maybe I can guess how he's feeling, has he got bags under the eyes, is he looking like he's had a wash today? Maybe I can get an indication of his inner mood. But let's be honest, I'm guessing. Unless I go and speak to John, well, I'm not going to know much about him. See, to really know John, to really know you, well, you need to open up your inner self. You need to reveal your spirit to me. You need to speak words so I can understand. Quite an interesting thought, isn't it? As I'm preaching, I've got, what, you know, 250 people in front of me. 250 inner worlds going on right now. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know whether you're um, thinking, what's he going on about? I'm lost. Or, or what? Unless you open your mouth and reveal that to me, well, and I'm just guessing. And Paul says, well, that is the same for God. We can make all sorts of guesses about God, what God thinks. Uh, Perhaps we can look at his creation, this world, and make all sorts of guesses about his power and what he's like. But like guessing what John's like, or any of you, well, actually, we can be completely wrong. The only way we can know God is for him to reveal his inner self, his spirit to us. And Paul says that is exactly what he has done in verse 12. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. But the question is, how do we understand that spirit? You know, if I want to find out about John, sorry to pick on you, John, but, but I, I just listen to his words. Uh, how do I do the same with God? Well, Paul actually says it's not much different. Because look at what he says in verse 13. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. See, Paul isn't just speaking his opinions He isn't just speaking his wisdom. I mean, he was an incredibly wise guy, but he says, that's not what I'm speaking. I'm speaking words from the Spirit, words that reveal to us who God is from his inner self. If we're confused by all that, here's the key thing to see, that if you want wisdom, if you want to grow, well, here's how it comes not by looking to others, not by looking to our own wise uh, wisdom, but listening to the words from God, the words found in the gospel, words given by his Spirit. Now, I know 
Paul has already said, hasn't it, that that wisdom of God doesn't seem very wise because it is a message that is uh, one of weakness. Uh, Last week we saw, didn't we, that actually this message is one of a man, uh, God becoming man and humble himself even to death on a cross. And it doesn't seem very wise, and many people will dismiss it out of hand. And, um, but that's his point. God has chosen that way to subvert the way we normally think, to show us that actually that is where God's wisdom is truly found. That's where his power is truly discovered. So as you look at the cross, you don't see a deity that we would imagine, do you? You don't see a, a kind of God... Uh, in all his kind of power um, crushing people, you see a God who humbles himself, who stretches out his own arms to give himself for his people. At the cross, we understand love, don't we? It's not a love that we're so used to in our culture, a love that does something for me. But we see a love of a God who pours himself out for others. At the cross, you you understand yourself that you're not some accident of a cold, indifferent universe, but that you're made by someone. And that creator of yours cares enough to win you back by his own blood. See, true wisdom is found in the gospel. See, the gospel is the place where you get access to God's inner world by his spirit, to know who he is. But why does this all matter? Why do we need to understand where wisdom comes from? Well, notice what he says at the end of verse 12. He says that we may understand what God has freely given us. Here's the whole point, and here's how it fits into Corinthians, because Paul's point here is that precisely because God's wisdom is hidden from us, and because it is only revealed by His Spirit, well, there's no room for boasting, no room for thinking that, well, I'm clever, I'm going to understand uh, more than you. All of us have empty hands. All of us are totally dependent on God's Spirit to reveal these things to us. It's not that God just shows us grace when he forgives us of our sins, but he shows us grace in revealing to us himself. Just imagine if it was the other way around. Just imagine it was um, the wise, the, the clever that were the most spiritual. Imagine what sort of church that would create, one probably quite like Corinth, as you thought, well, there's the people with the PhDs or the people with a high IQ. They can know God. See, all of us, lesser mortals, would be left in the dark. But there's no room for hierarchy. Actually, the person with the least IQ can be the most wise if they listen to God. And the person with the highest IQ can be the most foolish if they ignore him. See, true wisdom is not achieved. It is received. So as we close, what does this mean for us here at St. Mary's? Well, here's um, three things to take away and discuss over tea and coffee afterwards. First of all, realize what we have. It's crazy, isn't it, that the, the Corinthians were chasing the celebrity wise person, 
and yet they missed what they had in front of them. See, this book is where true wisdom is to be found. This isn't just a book of words. It isn't just a book of opinions about God. It is the words of His Spirit, access to what He thinks about the world and about you. And I don't know about you, but so often I forget that. This becomes quite a a familiar book. It's a book that um, I sort of pick up every morning, and I I don't, you know, in my sort of sleepy state, I don't quite grasp what actually is happening here. Here is God speaking to me, revealing his self to me. Realize what we have. Secondly, um, expect to feel foolish for having it. Um, the verse, uh, verse 14, he, he points out that the one without the Spirit uh, sees this as just foolishness. And um, I know in my life for a long time, I just dismissed this out of hand because I thought, well, that's just not a message that sounds very plausible. And I guess for lots of us, we, we're conscious of that. Woody spoke about this last week of how we might feel foolish sharing it. Uh, I noticed uh, verse 14, the, uh, the Greek word for foolishness is linked to the word moron very polite, isn't it? But, but that's how we can feel as we share this simple, seemingly weak message. But Paul's reminding them that actually this is where true power is found. It may not seem powerful by our standards. You may feel like Paul uh, with shaky knees and stumbling over your words. But actually, Paul says, as you speak that word, people will hear the voice of God's Spirit and will come to meet God in his word. Expect to feel foolish for having it. And thirdly, pursue it with humility. See, if there is nothing to achieve but just receive, well, there's no room for boasting in a church, is there? And I've got to say, I think, you know, this sounds like we're boasting now, but I'm not doing that. But actually, I, I don't see some of the divisions I see here in Corinth, and I'm thankful to God for that. And actually, I don't see some of the the boasting over, uh, there are some very capable people here, but um, I guess lots of us don't know who those capable people are, which I think is a good sign of our humility. But let's not be um, naive about it, because there's so many rooms and uh, room, there's so much room and little avenues for pride to slip in. See, whether we've got a PhD, and there are lots with PhDs here, whether you're the lead expert in your field, and there are lead experts in their field here, well, you're dependent on God's Spirit, like everyone else. And it may be you're here and you think to yourself, well, I don't know anything. I haven't got a GCSE to my name. I left school when I was younger, and to be honest, every time I think about uh, intellectual things, my brain aches, and um, I haven't got the wise words. But what counts is not your IQ score or qualifications on a paper, what counts is humility and ability to listen to what God teaches. And I must say, in my experience, it's often those who are least qualified who actually are the most wise that I learn the most from. Uh, Paul quotes from Isaiah, and he speaks about those who love him. And the way Isaiah defines those who love him, he puts this way, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at his word. It's those who are humble, contrite, who listen to his words 
who are wise. Because in God's word, true wisdom is found. Let's pray. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And so we praise you, our Heavenly Father, for your free gift of grace in granting us knowledge and understanding of your Son. Please help us, Father, as Isaiah teaches us, to be humble, contrite of your word, Help us to appreciate what we have, to be unashamed, and to delight in what you speak to us. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.